Welcome to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. If you have any questions about mortgages or real estate, give us a call at 521-TALK. That's 521-8255. What a gorgeous day in the market. Spring is in the air. We say hello to Mr. Rushforth, Mr. Napolitano. We get going here. Two questions, same answer. You ready? Yep. When's the best time to buy a house? Yesterday. Two years ago. Two years ago was the best time to buy a house. When's the best yeah. time to buy gas? <laughs> oh, yeah. God. Yesterday. Yeah. Go electric. Yeah. yeah. No kidding, eh? Man, it's going nuts. Yep. Absolutely crazy. So, Steve, I was looking this morning. So, I was doing a bunch of stats this morning because the stats came out for the uh, for February and year to date. But our average sale price in the first two months of the year has gone up $76,000 or 32.3%. Get out. We've gone from, on January 1st, our average sale price was 645000 and change. We're now at seven twenty two and change. So we're up $76,000 in two months, which is unheard of, which have, is absolutely crazy. Have we hit, hit 800,000 residential yet or not? Oh yeah, yeah. Resid- our 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 average residential sale price year to date is eight hundred and twelve thousand. Yeah. So you know, for the month of February, the number of sales was up two point six percent, even though the condo sales were down ten percent. Our average sale price in February alone was up eighteen point three percent. But when you look at year to date, the number of sales are up 03 percent, and the average sale price is up seventeen point two percent. For an average sale price of seven twenty two and change, which is absolutely crazy, That's considering crazy. wasn't just long ago, too long ago. In twenty nineteen, we're at four forty one as our average sale price. Four forty one in twenty nineteen, we're now over seven hundred thousand dollars as our average sale price. How are people affording <laughs> homes these days? It's it's tough. I mean, it's it's really tough. I mean, Frank will tell you. There's uh, I, I don't know if you know a stat offhand, Frank, but it's something like thirty percent of parents are co-signing for kids nowadays, or guaranteeing for kids. Over thirty percent, either either helping them with the down payment or having to co-sign with them, and that number is likely only going to continue to go up. Yeah, we're we are a little bit lucky though that listings are starting to hit the market. You know, the number of listings in February was four percent four percent higher than the five year average, and twelve percent higher than February of last year. So it's good to see that we have some listings hitting the market. But even now, we're still at one thousand and fifty five listings on the market. So we're still you know at a really low amount of listings. But it's nice to see. I mean, we're pouring listings on the market, and I know the board's pouring listings on the market. The problem is they're not staying. You know, they're, they're, well, they're that's, actually, that's actually not a problem. That's good for the for the market, but it's not good if you're looking for a house. Well, it's tough. If you're a buyer in today's market, it's, I mean, I have some some agents on my team that are, I'd say, predominantly buyer's agents, and they're it's tough. They're working their butts off, and, you know, sometimes it's taking six, seven, eight offers to get a deal done together. They're they're definitely practicing their skills on getting offers done, that's for sure, because it's uh, they're, sometimes they're writing a lot of offers to get that right price, and and there's times where the, the the buyer has to lose out a few times until they realize really what, how insane this market is, where they need to go in order to get that property. But I know Frank's not going to want to hear this, but we're seeing lots of unconditional offers again, where no you know no home inspections, no financing, 
so that that's happening way more now. Uh, I know at the tail end of 2021, we're starting to see more conditional offers. We're seeing more financing conditions at home inspections. We're not seeing that right now at all. I mean, it's almost now if you go in with any conditions, there's zero chance of you getting a property, which is tough, which is really tough for people who are buying homes right now. So what do you think? Everything I've been reading is saying that the spring market obviously is early, but it's going to explode again. Uh, Yeah, like uh, we are in spring. I always say our spring market starts about January 10th to the 15th. That's when our spring market starts. But it usually creeps along until, you know, February, March. Right now, exploding. It's absolutely exploding. And it's, it's, I mean, we're up 32.3% right now, average sale price. I'm actually scared to think where it might end up if it continues this way. Like we could be up somewhere stupid, like 50%, which would be, in my opinion, would be very close to a bubble scenario. If well, we're up that yeah, yeah, that yeah. might that might be definitely bubble scenario. <laughs> yeah, if, if we if we keep skyrocketing like we are right now, you know, it's it's. I mean, I think I don't know if Frank feels this, but you know, with the interest rates going up and with the looming more increases coming up. I, I think people are, I mean, a lot of people that are calling us are saying, I need to get in now. Well, why do you need to get in now? We need to get in right now before the rates even skyrocket even more. So we're seeing that as a, as a concern right now too. Frank probably sees that as well. It's a huge concern with rates going up, obviously for some people, uh, you know, getting their uh, pre-approvals in place, which are good for four months. But again, most of them aren't that confident about buying a house because the market uh, either is crazy like it is right now, will remain crazy for the next two or three months. And again, I mean, the rate guarantee is good for four months. Now, what's interesting about interest rates, so we saw the prime rate raise this week by a quarter point, and the messaging certainly indicates that prime rate will likely go up again in April by another quarter of a percentage point. But everything is going on around the world, specifically Ukraine and Russia, has forced the bond markets to come down. So... You know, we saw the bond markets come down about 35 basis points this week. Now, it's very similar to when the pandemic started. If you remember when the pandemic started in March, the unknown had the financial markets kind of scared. And that's what's happening with the banks. As much as all of them recorded record profits this quarter, at the end of the day, they're not passing those savings on to consumers yet because of the unknown. They don't know whether the bond markets are going to continue to slide or whether they're going to turn around and go up if should something happen and maybe the war end or, you know, something happen, a peace offering in place. So they're sitting tight right now because they're just unsure of what the financial markets are going to do moving forward. Yeah. And ordinarily, would the uh, would, uh, fixed rates have come down if the bond market had gone down this much? Well, they would. Ordinarily, they would have come down now. They wouldn't have come down just yet because the banks tend to, you know, wait three or four days until the bond markets come down and then they'll pass those savings on. Oddly enough, at the beginning of the week, all the banks were raising their fixed rates. Now, not much by five, 10 basis points, even though the bond markets were coming down, but only because of the unknown, which is, again, same thing we saw in March of 2020. The bond markets were plummeting. Uh, and the prime rate was coming down, and yet the banks weren't moving rates down, and it took them a month or two before they they caught up just because then they started to understand what was going to happen moving forward a little bit better. Do do most people understand that it's the prime rate that's gone up? Because in the headlines, all you see is interest rates are going up. Is this causing a a bit of a panic with people? Agreed. Of course it is, because most people now, again, most people now are finding out that you know, very gradually over the last 12 months, 
the banks have raised the fixed rates on their mortgages because there really hasn't been a lot of headlines. Generally, when fixed rates go up and if fixed rates go up one and a half percent in a 12 month period, generally there would have been two or three media announcements over that time frame saying that the rates have gone up. But we didn't see that because the rates have gone up in a very gradual process by 10 or 15 basis points that doesn't get any headlines. And when you're doing it gradually like that throughout the year, you know, uh, last February, we saw the fixed rates go up and it got headlines because it went up a quarter of a percentage point. Apart from that, throughout the year, we really haven't seen anything. So um, people are surprised that their five-year fixed rate is in the threes, where just a short 12 months ago, it was one and a half to 1.75%. That's crazy. And what's the difference you're, spe- you're paying now on a variable? Well, on a variable now, so the prime rate, I mean, every lender, every bank raised their prime rate. There's a couple of lenders out there that we work with that are non-bank lenders. Everything happens on the first of the following month. So lucky for those individuals that are with those institutions, the, the prime rate change doesn't take effect until April 1st. And, and the good news is that I think the next Bank of Canada announcement is on April 3rd. And if it goes up another quarter point, then they'll get another 28 days uh, of, of grace before the prime goes up. But every single bank raised their prime rate by a quarter point the day after. So therefore, I mean, if you're getting prime minus 1%, I mean, you've gone from 1.45 to 1.7. In, in math, uh, from a math standpoint, mortgage-wise, if you have a $100,000 mortgage, your mortgage payment would have gone up $12 a month. So, you know, if you're sitting with a $400 uh, or $400,000 mortgage, your payment would have gone up approximately $50 a month, which isn't earth shattering, considering there's still a one and a quarter percent difference between a five-year variable and a five-year fixed. I just uh, I just did the math on my commercial mortgages when you said that. <laughs> Every $100,000 got $12. Yeah. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> that being said, Paul, that being said, look at where you've been the last two years. Like, look yeah. at, like, you did not expect, like, nobody expected prime rate to come down 1.5%. So the pandemic dropped prime by 1.5%. So over the last two years, you saved thousands and thousands of dollars by prime coming down the way it did. So yeah, I, I've had I, I know commercial mortgages are obviously way different than residential. Like when I, when I say the number, people are going to be oh that's high, but my commercial mortgage was at was at three point eight percent, which is super low for a commercial mortgage. Super yes, it low. is. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's almost what a five year cost now. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, what is the average mortgage, Frank? Average mortgage in Ottawa is uh, between four and five hundred thousand dollars today. Where again, just a short two years ago, uh, the average mortgage would have been uh, between two fifty and three hundred. So, so big, almost, big it's almost it's almost doubled. Yeah, about sixty percent higher now. It's crazy. crazy. Like it's yeah. just, uh, it, you know, it's it it really is crazy. And then you know, I I mean, I mean, I look at it and I say it's crazy for us. Boy, it's crazier in Toronto and Vancouver and just not even just Toronto. When we talk about Toronto now. You look at the Oshawa's, the London's of the world. I mean, London's what, an hour and a half outside of Toronto? That's just as crazy. Like, that's crazier than Ottawa there. And yet, you're an hour and a half outside of Toronto. It's just like it's insanity all over. I mean, you got to, even in Kingston, you talk to the people in Kingston and they're absolutely like they can't believe the prices of homes in Kingston these days. Well, Kingston's leading the way right now, aren't they? Kingston's, uh, Kingston's leading the way. And, and what you're getting in Kingston, especially I, I was trying to buy a house for my daughter who goes to Queens university. And for a million bucks, I was getting a dump, like an absolute dump. In and I was Kingston. Just, in, in, yeah. Well, it, and it's in the student ghetto, right? So it's, 
but yeah, you're right. In, in Kingston where you're, you know, you're, what are you, two hours from Toronto, two hours from Ottawa, you're a small little city and this, it, it, the prices are skyrocketing there. They're skyrocketing everywhere. Like Frank says, everywhere. Yep. Skyrocketing. Five, two, one, talk five, two, one, eight, two, five, five. We'll be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back with Paul Rushforth and Frank DiPolitano. Average residential price in Toronto, over $2 million now, boys. Oh, no way. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but that's because, you know what I mean? Even the numbers in Ottawa, right, Paul? I mean, you know, if, if, if a lot of high-end homes sell and some of the lower-end homes don't sell in a month, you're going to see the average price go up because they're doing it based on just the sales. They're not doing it on, on base on what the average house price is in the city because they're not using every house that's out there. They're only using the ones that have sold. So, you know, in Toronto, it's no different. you got a couple of mansions that sell in the four, five, six million dollar range, and all of a sudden, that skews the numbers for that month. Yeah, but there is, yeah, but no, yeah. There is no low-end homes in Toronto. Yeah, there no, is. That's a, yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah, but even here in Ottawa, the average sale price being, you know, 722. But we sold a home last week that was at 330 and we sold one last week that was at 1.1 million. It's just still the average sale price, though, Fred. Yeah, yeah, but but unless you have a month where you sell a whole bunch of, you know, 1.5 million dollar homes and that'll skew the number obviously. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's 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 you know what's funny now though is is even in suburbia. I mean, I was we were brought over to someone's house. I went with one of my agents this week. And he was asking me what we should, like, what the price of the house is. And it's so hard to price a home right now because you don't really know. I mean, we could have some foreign or Toronto buyer come in and, and pay, you know, 400000 over asking. Is that really the price of the home? No. Um, but I'll tell you right now, those sellers are, are very, very greedy. They are looking for home runs left, right, and center. And we had a couple last week that we had on it. Uh, we had one on at nine something. And we ended up getting an offer at 1.1 and it took everything for me to get this guy to accept this offer at 1.1. He wanted more. And I was like, hold on, you've had 22 showings and this is the top offer you're getting from these people and you want to turn it down. So it's, you know, sellers are getting greedy and things like that flop the way we saw that last year where sellers were getting very greedy. And then the market shifted around June where it was a little bit more advantageous for buyers and sellers were still trying to hit that home run. So, I mean, get it while you can get it because we will see another sort of slowdown, not slowdown, but we'll see a little bit of a softening in the market, in my opinion, yeah. potentially around the, around the summertime, we might see it soften a little bit. So if you're looking to sell your house, I've never seen a better time. And I said this last year, I'm saying it even stronger this year. You're looking to sell your house, and if you don't have to buy, you're looking at uh, you know hitting an absolute home run, hitting an absolute home run, and now is the time you need to do it. Don't delay. We're already seeing more competition hit the market. I predict come you know April, May, we're going to have more listings on the market, more competition. So if you're if you're thinking of selling, we had a seller this week that thought he'd wait till July, and I said, don't wait till July. Get your home sold right now. You're in the driver's seat. You'll get your closing date. Don't panic about that. Ended up putting his house on the market and hit an absolute home run that I don't think he would have hit in July. 521-TALK, 521-8255. To the phones we go and say hello to Steve downtown. Hello, Steve. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you doing today? Couldn't be better. Good stuff. It's been a while since I've spoken with you fine guys. Um, 
I generally always agree with what you have to say, but when you say the best time to buy was yesterday, I kind of have to disagree. I'd say it was the day before yesterday myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I said it was two years ago. The so. day before yesterday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, here's where I'm at. I foolishly sold against Frank's wise advice a condo last year. Um, Quick sale, didn't get what I probably should have got for it. But when, you know, with the pandemic, uh, tenants leaving suddenly, not having wheels on the road in the winter, it wasn't in my mind practical to be showing it and, you know, using public transportation. When things were bad at the time, right? So, and I did speak to you, Frank, and you did recommend I, I hang on. I'm, I've always been of the mind that I don't like something sitting empty, but I know how foolish that is now. You know, I should have waited a few months and just let it sit empty and, Anyhow, so we're yeah, I mean, is, hindsight's twenty twenty. I think all of us would have done a whole bunch of things differently. Had yeah, we you got that right. Yeah, I would have done more sit Good advice. <laughs> I, I'm sure even you didn't know it would go like the way it did. So, so I'm sitting on a little bit of money. I could come up with, could probably come up with about two hundred fifty thousand, and um, but I'm on a small uh, pension, so I can't get that much of a mortgage, and that's where my dilemma is at. I can't afford Ottawa to be honest. What I was thinking and hoping is, and I know things are still crazy right now, but what, what would you recommend as far as the outskirts? And I'm very flexible about, you know, kind of where and maybe how far. But what would you guys recommend as far as, I'd like to, I wouldn't mind picking up like a duplex, which would help me supplement my income and, and that. And then you live in one side, rent out the other type of thing. What, uh, what area of the city, are, like, are you looking east, west, south? As I mentioned, uh, not looking at this point, but totally flexible as to where, whatever you might recommend. And the other question I want to ask is, do you have an agent or agents that specialize in duplexes that you may be able to set me up with? Because last year I was looking to buy something, both in Ontario and Quebec, rural, and I, I absolutely couldn't even get a call back from an agent. Or if I did, it would be two weeks later and all oh, that's long gone, right? Typical. So, so how far do you have to go to get a deal on a duplex now, Paul? Well, the, the beauty of a duplex is there's more people in the country or in, in sort of rural that are looking to rent than there are people who are renting. So the, you're going to have no problem getting a tenant, which is good news. That's great news. But, yeah. Yeah, it's great news. You'll have no problem. Um, but there's some unbelievable communities out in the outskirts. I mean, if you're looking west, I mean, Armprior is the fastest moving community in Ontario. Like, it's a great area. Carlton yeah. Place as well. Carlton Place, it, they're, they're, starting to get, they're, they're starting to get expensive, but at the same time, they're a lot more affordable than, they, than the core is. And if you're looking east, uh, there's places like Limoges is still, you know, well-priced. Embrum, uh, even Rockland. I mean, Rockland's started, starting to increase in the average sale price, but it's still a, a very affordable community rather than, you know, in the core of suburbia and stuff like that. So there's lots yeah. of lots of good areas. And all my agents are versed in, in, in duplexes and triplexes. They're very versed in that. I've trained them. Uh, you know, I know it very well. So I've trained all my agents very well. Uh, I do have some that are really, really good at it, but um, yeah, we'd yeah, be happy I to. Really to, to appreciate that. That. I, I went through six months, literally last May until the autumn, spending hours and hours and hours looking, looking, looking and getting absolutely nowhere. I literally gave up. Steve, how long like, you've been listening? Steve, Steve, how long you've been listening to the show? Since day one, gentlemen. And and you were looking for an agent and you didn't call Paul? <laughs> well, you know what? Um, I have spoken with, with, with them before. Like, 
long, long story. But you know what? He's getting my first call after this. Yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> All I ask is that someone calls me back. And if it's possible, Paul, one of the ones that you said that really specialize in it, because I've had a lot of bad luck and I just don't want to waste my time anymore. The problem is, as you mentioned, the prices even in the outskirts are, are pretty exorbitant now also. Like, you know, you got your Almonts, your purse. Yeah. Um, and I can't do much as far as a mortgage. And that's where I'm in a bit of a stickle a stickler of a place. Well, we'll figure it out. Thanks, we'll Dave. Yeah, out. You've well, got a good down payment, right? You've got a really good down payment, but, you know, you talked about having a small pension. Again, I mean, that's that might be the challenging part because you do yeah. need a good income to be able to qualify for a mortgage. Now, on a duplex, it's helped a little bit because you've got some rental income coming in, but nonetheless, the bank is also going to look at the fact that what if that unit isn't rented? Then what? Oh, I know. Yeah. Can you make yeah. the payments? So that's going to be the challenge, I think. I, I have Jason at my office right now. If you want to call my office at 788-2122, Jason will help you find uh, the, the perfect agent on the team. Thank you, Steve. Good luck. we got to take a break. Thank you, we'll... gentlemen. You take care. You too. Thanks. We'll be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. 521-TALK, 521-8255. Back to the phones we go and say hello to John in Ottawa. Hello, John. Yeah, good morning. Uh, I'm wanting to know your opinion on buying to evict. Buying to what? Buying to evict. Yeah. You mean buying a place and... But you want to evict... Uh, you want to evict the existing. Well, the situation for me is that I live in a triplex, which yeah. is one single building that was a home that was divided into three apartments. The okay. one I'm in is a little bachelor. In any case, uh, the ink was no sooner dry on the sales uh, slip, and the new owner was issuing us tenants eviction notices. Well, I've been here 36, 37 years now. Mm-hmm. And when I was issued the eviction notice, I basically looked at it and thought, well, nope, ain't going to happen. And that was last year. But I've been listening to you guys every weekend, and I've always wanted to call in and ask you, so, what is your opinion on buying to evict? So if you, if you buy a place like that, Paul, and you're going to do major renovations, you can evict people, correct? major renovations but just to evict people you cannot do that he cannot evict you and then re-rent that property if he was moving into it himself or his immediate family was moving into a different story but he can't just take that property and evict you well on the eviction notice that is what they did claim that they wanted to occupy this apartment for at least one year and then when we were communicating with the lawyer when because of the fact that i had said no uh, my lawyer basically had told them, or they had said to each other, well, that's a, a great inconvenience now. The, the guy doesn't want to go. And I thought, wow, a great inconvenience. What about us? You know, we, we've been yeah. here 25 and 36 years. So was that the reason they gave you, uh, John, that they wanted to do major renovations? No, they, no, they, they wanted, wanted to, move to move in, in for at least one year. So uh, I said, well, get the guy to come in with me. I'll split the no. So John, I, I take I take it I take it you're uh, you're under rented, meaning you're getting a very good deal. I take it. 
Well, I'm 75 years old. Where else am I going to go at the price I've been paying? You know, yeah. there's, there's nothing available for me as a bachelor. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm not prepared to go into city living. You know, I, I don't need assistance. I'm independent. But yeah, so he, just the they, can't, they can't kick you out. Now, they can if they're moving into it themselves. And if you're on, obviously, you've been there a long time, so you're on a month-to-month lease. If they are moving in them, there themselves and they're not circumventing the rules by moving in to kick you out, then rent, re-renting it, um, but if they're living in that thing, uh, they are allowed to actually kick you out. But, I mean, hopefully they would. And, and the reason they are doing it is because you're under-rented right now. They, you know, they want to they make some money, and, uh, you know, which is, which is a, a business move, but a crappy move for you, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I yeah. just thought, you know, figured it was really insulting for them to say, oh, that's a real inconvenience to the buyers, you know, or the new owners. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> You don't consider yeah. that an eviction notice is inconvenient to us? You know? Yes. Yeah. So is, are they, hold on, are they, are they evicting just you or are they looking to evict the other two as well? Well, no, no. There's two apartments, three apartments altogether. Two apartments they issued um, eviction notices for and the third apartment and they just said nothing. Yeah, so obviously they're looking to get out the un, uh, like the underperforming or the under rented ones, uh, but he's not. He can't occupy two units. It, it has to be a, an immediate family member that's moving into the other one. Otherwise, he can't do it. Yeah, unless they open it all up, right, Paul? Well, the previous yeah. owner they had come along to us and said, "Listen, we we got to raise rent a little bit before the sales." So I said, "Well, I guess I got no choice." Okay, you know so. My well, rent was raised by seventy bucks, more more well, a month, and and the people in the other apartment, I guess theirs was raised too. So they, anyway. can, they can only they can't raise it that much though. It's a, it's only a percentage that they're allowed to raise your rent. Yeah, it's a percentage yeah. they're allowed to, they're allowed by law to raise your rent, and it doesn't. So what are you paying in rent right now? Uh, right now, four hundred a month for a bachelor. Yeah, so they they raised it almost twenty five percent. That's that's illegal. They yeah. can't do that either. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you know, I would have told them. I would have told them no that you're not raising my rent. If you want to raise my rent, you can raise it by what the what the uh, landlord and tenant act says you can raise it by. Well, um, that's the only thing they could have done, and they can't evict you unless they're personally moving in it themselves. I basically went with what the notice said. If you don't like what's on paper, you, you don't have to move. So okay, now that's all I need to know. All right. Yeah, and I said, "Nope, I'm staying." You know, good, see, good see for you. you. Good, awesome. Good. Glad it worked out. Thank you, John. All right. Take care. Boy, that's tough, eh? Seventy-five years old, and uh, just just doesn't end well, you know. So no, no. But he's obviously no- getting. You know, like listen, as a as a as a business owner, and uh, you know, someone who, who's looking to make money in investments in real estate, I can understand why they'd want to kick him out, but they can't kick him out. No, you know, unless they're personally, like I said, personally moving in, and and by them trying to kick out two units, what are they doing? The wife moving one, the husband moving the other. Like it's 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 it, there's it, it just stinks stinks of of, yeah. of something that can't happen, and raising the rent. So four hundred dollars. So they was it three hundred and thirty, and they raised it seventy dollars. Like you can't do that either. No, and that's to make it more attractive to the new buyer, right? But you, you well, can't. yeah. And I think tri- I think it's below two percent that you that you're allowed to raise rent unless it's yeah, a, it change, a new building. Yeah, it changes every year. Yeah. Um, what what the percentage is, but it's um, 
Yeah, it, it sounds like a, they're trying to kick out the underperforming and, and raising it, absolutely. Because when you're selling a triplex, you're, you're selling it based on the rents. You're, hard, not, you're not doing comparables per se. You're more looking at the rents to see what it's worth. So that's a, that's a, that's a shame. I, I feel like that's, he's been taking yeah, advantage of it yeah. for sure. And Frank, when you're buying a triplex, they go by the rent as well, right, as part of your income? Well, the rent helps, right? I mean, I, I mean, it helps offset uh, qualifying for a mortgage, no question. Yeah, that's what I mean. They t- they do take yeah. that into account, though, right? For sure, for sure. Right up until four units is considered residential, we do have one credit union that will consider, on exception, looking at six units as residential. But generally, the rule of thumb is once you get above four units, you get into that fifth unit, it becomes a multi-unit residential mortgage, which is similar to a commercial mortgage. So you're paying more then. You're paying a little bit more. There's typically more due diligence done sometimes, depending on where the property is located. There might be an environmental assessment required. Uh, just much more details at that point. How are duplexes selling now? Or are they are there none available, Paul? Well, they're 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 booming, right? They're duplexes and triplexes because right now, if you're looking for a good investment, it's pretty hard to be cash flow positive. Usually the only way you can be cash flow positive if you're buying a bunch of doors under one roof. So if you could get a duplex or a triplex, you're most likely cash flow positive. The problem with that is the price having to pay for these, right? Like you, we helped a, just before the pandemic, we helped a, uh, a, two of my friends actually buy triplexes in sort of the center town kind of uh, uh, that, that kind of area. And they both went for a million bucks. And today they're probably worth about 1.4, 1.5. And this was two short years ago. So it's it, there. It's expensive to get into a duplex and triplex, but usually on those, you're cash flow positive, usually, depending on where you're buying. Yeah. And then you got to be careful of the age of them too, right? Because you got a lot of upkeep then. You have a lot of upkeep and you want to, things like you're looking at the utilities, are the utilities included, you know, are, do you have the shared utilities, little things like that. It's, it's a different animal when you're, when you're working with duplexes and triplexes, you need some specialty in that for sure. And you need to know what you're doing. And, uh, uh, luckily, I have a lot of agents. Oh, I was just going to say, if only I had a company I could go to that had some experience. And uh, seriously, like our it, last call, with Steve. Yeah, because yeah. I've been listening to the show since the beginning too. <laughs> if you're still listening, shame on you, Steve. You should call this from day one. You'd be in a duplex right now. <laughs> five two one talk five two one eight two five five. We'll be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Back with Frank DiPolitano and Paul Rushforth into the phones. We go one more time with feeling. Say hello to Kyle. Hello, Kyle. Hello. How are you? We're great. Thanks for taking my call. So I had a question, and it kind of follows the theme on the rentals and increasing rent. Yep. So I've always listened. Am I live right now? You are. Okay, so I've always always listened to Paul's advice. If you have a great tenant, don't increase the rent. But I have some rentals right now, and they're way under market value. So my question is, if I decide to increase the rent, can I only do it based on the percentage increase from last year? Or, for example, if they've been in there from 2016 and I've never raised the rent, can I add up all those percentage increases and apply that? Nope. I wish you could, my friend, but no, you can't. You have to do what last year's rental increase is. And so here's what I've always said. If you have a great tenant and you're rented very well, 
then mm-hmm. sometimes you don't want to increase the rent. But if you have a great tenant and you're way under rented, you have to raise the rent because if you ever go to sell that property and you want someone to take it over as a, as an investment property, it's not a good investment property if the rents are crap. So mm-hmm. you, you definitely, you should be raising the rent every single year if you're that low. But if you're, you know, like I have one, one unit right now that I've, uh, I've rented for 1950, I could probably get 2100, but my tenant is amazing and I don't mm-hmm. want to lose them. So I'm mm-hmm. not increasing my rent. But if I was at 1800, yes, I'd be increasing my rent regardless if I had a good tenant or not. So you have to keep those rents up. Um, even if you have a great tenant, but yeah, you can only use the number uh, with the uh, landlord and tenant act. You can only use that number that you have, you can increase it by, but I would strongly do it every year though. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. And it's like, not, it's so- not raising by a lot, eh, Paul? Like I think, I've, I think it might be 1.8. I'm trying to remember what it is. It's either 1.8 or 2.1 or something yeah, like that. It's but, not much. No, but 2.1 on a, you know, a $2,000 a month is not a lot of money, right? No. But it's still, Mm-hmm. But then next year, if it's another 2%, next year's another 2%. Yeah. But I'm thinking you're not going to lose a tenant over 2% or 1.8%. No, no. It's actually 1.2 for 2022. Is so that what it is? 1.2, yeah. okay. So, yeah. So, so you know, like, which is nothing, right? Like, what's your rent right now? Uh, fifteen fifty. Yeah. So, you're raising it, what, $17? Yeah, you know? exactly. but, but still, that's $17 more than you're going to get. And, and next year, you raise it again. So, now you're raising another on top of that 17 So, it... it, 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 it eventually gets you where you need to be. But yeah, if you're under rented and you know, you, you got to get those rents up. Mm-hmm. That number might go up though because of inflation. So you could see that number next year go from 1.2 up to two or three or 4% because generally it follows the path of inflation. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thanks Appreciate Cal. It. Yeah, wouldn't it be nice if you can go back to uh, 1973 and say, <laughs> no, I never raised your rent? I'm wondering, like, they've been in there since 2016, so can I raise it 10.5% if I add up? No, you can't. Percentages, so. yeah. you, you can't. No, you have to do it every year. Good ask, though. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Kyle. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, it's, it's not a whole lot. Like No, but it adds up, though, Steve. Like, I mean, like, I'm, see, I'm, I'm torn, too. I'm such a nice guy that I I have some tenants that are under rented right now. And I'm like, ah, they're such nice people. And they're scraping by. And, you know, every month, it's it's just a challenge for them to get the rents to me. But, you know, in the end, if I do decide to sell, I'm selling potentially based on those rents, right? And if I'm under rented, anyone who wants to pick that up as an investment property is like, nah, it's not worth the money. Yeah, I'm just so thinking, I'm just thinking back the last couple of weeks. Every time you've said something within the show, Frank has agreed with you at least once. And oh, I once, thought I thought for, I thought for sure when you said I'm such a nice guy, he would be jumping in to agree. But no, not so much. Uh, you know, when it comes, you know what? I, one of my best friends has got some units, and he's the same way. He hasn't touched their rents for six or seven years because he's also had some that are lousy, and he weighs the options and he says, you know what? I'd rather have that good tenant. And keep them happy, and for what? For an extra hundred bucks, then I got to go through all the trouble of finding another tenant. So for him, it's not worth it. Again, he's in a, he's looking at it the positive way, which is my property values have gone up so much. I've made so much money on these properties that I'm still cash flow positive. Yeah, I could be much more cash flow positive, but at the end of the day, I'd rather have a perfect tenant who looks after my place than then make another hundred, two hundred bucks, and then have a lousy tenant that I got to spend a whole bunch of time. Uh, going after them. So again, it all depends on where you're at financially. Yeah, and where the say. math works out, because if you've got a really good tenant, they still have to go and find someplace new to live, which is going to cost them more if you're if they're under rented, right? Yeah. 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 So. If you're 
So here's the thing. Like I said to, to, the, to the last caller, if you're just a little bit under-rented, but you have a great tenant, I don't know if you need to raise the rent, but if you're drastically under-rented, you know, your tenant, whether it's a great tenant or not, has to agree that they're, they know they're getting a smoking deal. Like I have one tenant right now that's on a smoking deal. They know it. They know it. And actually, if they left, I wouldn't be disappointed. You know, because- <laughs> well, well, you would be a little bit. <laughs> I would be. But, you know, there, was, there, there was at one time that I had a, a tenant. As the market started doing this, the rental market started skyrocketing. I had a tenant in one of my townhomes. Now, at the time, there was, you know, I could have got 1700 and they were paying 1400 and I could see that the, the the rents were going up and up and up. And then eventually it was I could have got $1,900. they are still paying $1,400. And they emailed me one day. I was just about to email them to tell them I got to raise their rent. They're like, yeah, so we think we're going to leave. I'm like, no, leave. <laughs> you know, because then, then the next day I rented that unit out right away for yeah. $1,900. Yeah. You know, so it's... Hey, just- so it is- it is what it is. Just, just before we go these days, what's your recommendation, Frank? Variable still? Um, it all depends on your scenario. I mean, for some people that are really, really, really nervous and just freak out every time they hear that interest rates are going up, lock in. I mean, you're locking in, I think, at a much higher rate than you need to be. But that being said, if it makes you sleep at nighttime, lock in. But if I had a recommendation, I would still uh, probably push the variable. For most people, I would say that you're a point and a quarter ahead. Uh, yes, prime rate will likely go up another quarter, another half. But here's the other part. I think, you know, if things continue and the bond market softens, then interest rates would come down. So I would rather you go with the variable and then lock in maybe a month or two from now if, if fixed rates were to come down. So yeah. uh, not to mention that I still, I'm still a big believer in the fact that if prime goes up too much, I think it will create a recession in our country and then rates will come back down anyway. So. And what are the well, be- what are the best deals? The prime minus still one percent. Why the prime minus one is out there, but we had a lender prime minus one point three. Now they're down to prime minus one point two. Uh, one of the big banks that was a prime minus one is down to prime minus seventy. Uh, again, the nervousness of everything that's happened over the last ten days just has them looking at it and just being more cautious than anything. So uh, hopefully, you know, things will uh, will calm themselves down uh, between those two countries, and uh, we can get back to normal. Qualifying, yeah, qualifying rate. Sorry, Paul, go ahead. No, no, I just said let's hope. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Qualifying rate is still what? Five and change? Five and a quarter. And, you know, we're hoping uh, over the next four to six weeks uh, the budget will be announced, uh, when the budget's going to be. And and from there, I think we might see some changes uh, come into effect when it comes to specifically housing and mortgages for sure. Do you think that will come down, the qualifying? Uh, I don't know that the qualifying will come down, but they'll have to come out with some other uh, programs that will assist people in getting into homes. All right. Birthdays, Frank? Yeah. Uh, just a couple. I've got my brother-in-law, Mario, who's celebrating his birthday tomorrow, and Nancy Douglas from my team who joined me from uh, TD a little over a year ago, a year and a half ago. She turned. She's now in my club, which is junior, senior. Uh, not quite your club yet of senior there, Steve. Uh, we got a ways to go to hit the senior status. But you're, you're uh, talking about respect now, right? Junior, senior. <laughs> yes, we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Frank, <laughs> it's funny. It's funny you say that. I'm in Shoppers the other day, and I'm going to pay for something. The lady's looking at me, and then she's looking at the till. She's looking at me, and I'm like, "What is she looking at?" She goes, "Um, are you 55?" And I'm like. No, I'm 47. What's wrong with you? You look it, though. You know, I haven't seen you in two years, and you look it. I mean, you're 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 pretty white. You, oh, you this is white. Platinum blonde, it's my friend. It's not platinum blonde. It's 
No, no, I don't think so. But uh, anyway, you know what? Support local businesses and charities, specifically uh, the ones in the downtown core, which uh, which really got hit hard over the last uh, month or so. And uh, support Ukraine yeah. people, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Paul at PaulRushford.com, Frank N at MortgageBrokersOttawa.com. Have a great week, gentlemen. Have, Have a great, great weekend, weekend everyone. everyone.